let's talk about when will the world really end and how will it happen? Because again, even in the case of mass extinctions, like it's the end of the world for some animals or most, I guess, living on earth, but it's not the end of the world. Like the world still exists. Right. (laughs) So if we want to be pedantic and say like the world is gone, it's the end of it. It doesn't exist anymore. When will that happen? I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based, and probably very giggly, discussion on all things strange and unusual. Today, you are joining us for one of our most uplifting topics, the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Which, here's the thing. I put that there and I'm like, we've definitely had more depressing episodes than this. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fine. (laughs) You guys are going to be fine at the end of this. Yes. But first, we should do something spooky quickly, which we actually have things. So, Paige, what is something spooky that you would like to mention this evening? Yes. So, I was going to mention this anyways, but then the timing of this episode is like sort of been perfect, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate to say it that way. Our procrastination pays off again. (laughs) (laughs) But my thing is the Canada wildfires, which like, here's the thing, much worse for the people living in Canada. So yeah, not trying to pretend I'm the victim here. But the smoke that's been hitting us has been pretty bad. And Like, apparently, I just am one of those people that's, like, very sensitive to it and can't be outside during it without a mask because it's hitting us again right now, but it also hit us, like, two weeks ago, and, like, I was convinced I had COVID. Like, convinced. (laughs) (laughs) I sounded awful. I felt pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. Paige sounded like she had been smoking for, like, 45 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I probably felt like it too. It sort of, <laughs> uh, but <did>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, like speaking of feeling like it's the apocalypse, like just looking out and seeing hazy, smoky, orange skies was just like, what the fuck is even happening? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this right. is some like <laughs> dune shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It was not good. Uh, yeah, I think they were showing like the pictures of New York and like, yeah, it like looked worse than what they show in like the Blade Runner movie where right. that's supposed to be <laughs> apocalyptic future. <laughs> so basically, I just, yeah, want to say that like seemed like perfect timing for this episode. Uh, but also I need to ask like, Canada, are you okay? <laughs> because I'm... <laughs> I'm worried about you. Because <laughs> we're not okay and we're not we're you. Not, we're not <laughs> We're okay. just adjacent. <laughs> we're like the house next door is burning down. <laughs> right. We're breathing in all the smoke. <laughs> but like we can't leave our house. So. <laughs> uh, Yay. It's a nightmare. <laughs> so that's my something spooky. Megan, what's yours? Mine is that... I guess in sort of like other 
sort of apocalyptic news because some people would argue that it was the beginning of the end when this happened. Today, July 16th, is the 77th anniversary of the detonation of the first atomic bomb at the Trinity test site in New Mexico. So I thought that was also kind of funny timing. And also I am super excited for the release of Oppenheimer this coming week. Uh, again, really fast, our procrastination paid off because yes, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't have been able to say today is the anniversary. I know that today's the anniversary. And yeah, that a lot of people would agree that like having atomic or nuclear weapons was the beginning of the end for us as a species. So <laughs> yay. <laughs> okay. So this episode is all about end of the world events, or I guess sort of where we're going to start are events that have happened where people, or at least the creatures living on earth, may have felt like the apocalypse was upon them. And we're talking at least on a local scale. Uh, yeah, I say this is where we're going to start because we are also going to sort of branch off at the end and talk about like actual end of the world's events or things that will happen. <laughs> um, we've already talked about one example of these, and that is the super volcanic or at least large scale eruptions that humans as a species have survived. And we're talking like Toba and Tambora that caused the year without a summer in 1816 and Krakatoa. And you can imagine being the people who were living through that or who saw those eruptions. And like, maybe you're thinking like, this is the end. Like for sure, we as a people are not going to make it through this. And we've even talked about like the accounts that were written down by Pliny the Younger with respect to Pompeii and people feeling like, you know, this is the end of the world. The gods are punishing us. It's all going downhill. But we'll talk about a couple more specific examples in a few minutes. But my mind when thinking about topics like this went to like huge floods that may have influenced biblical stories about, for example, Noah's flood. To be fair, I didn't really like check that deeply if this is a legit thing. I like remember seeing news stories about it, but I don't know, could be bullshit. But we could even talk about smaller impact events that have happened in historical times, like the Tunguska event, which was a 12 megaton explosion over the Siberian tundra that flattened 80 million trees, likely caused by the explosion of an asteroid in our atmosphere. So like not many people lived in the Siberian tundra, but those who did were probably like, holy shit, what just happened to us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I guess before we jump into our specific examples, I did start thinking about the number of end of the world predictions that there have been in our lifetime. And that could like for sure be a whole episode on its own in the future. But A, well, how many have there been in our lifetime, do we think? And like how many total? And when is the next one? So there are so many. Like, I think I counted like 15 just since like 2000. Yeah. Which is a lot. That is a lot. I guess you just don't hear about most of them. Yeah. Most of them are like pretty small and, and frankly pretty silly. Like I, uh, <laughs> my favorite 
from the list that I think you had put on here is the September 5th, 2020. But yeah, you said you didn't know about about it and it was like no basically just like a bunch of people on reddit who just it was just like another creepypasta really but it was just like these yeah. people who have like a bunch of stories of the world ending on september 5th and so they created a subreddit and and just like gotcha. the days leading up to september 5th had all decided that that they were just like waiting for the world to end or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah my thought was like those people were probably having the time of their life when covid lockdown and everything happened oh for sure (laughs) they're like convinced like can you imagine (laughs) like i don't know how long they had that subreddit going but like once that stuff started happening they were probably like like, I bet half of them were just in there, like, sort of kidding around, and they weren't taking it seriously. And then they were like, oh, fuck. Like, sure. <laughs> this is actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we talked about September 5th. The other one that I saw on that list, which, like, was honestly one of the first things I thought of with this episode, but didn't really feel like I could talk about it all that long, was the whole Y2K crisis. And it's, like, so funny to think about now. (laughs) Yeah, we were all so freaked out. Like, nobody – yeah. (laughs) It was a weird thing to live through. Like, on the list of weird shit that millennials have lived through, that was definitely a weird one. But I guess in, like, sort of a funny way looking back. Yeah. And then the other one that I – nothing big to talk about, but just wanted to mention was, do you remember – It was apparently like five years ago now, but the Hawaii false missile crisis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had like one of my um, PhD committee and I was, so I was, I was done by that point, but he was like, he was in Hawaii. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I had a friend who lived there at the time and had been posting on Facebook how terrifying it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just fucked up and sent out the thing like, this is not a drill. Like, you're about to get hit by a long-range nuclear missile. (laughs) Those are the ones that I sort of remember. Um, I don't know if there's anything in our lifetime that you remember going through. I just remember, like, vaguely people being sort of weird about 2012. But I think that had been, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But as far as I understand, and I was, like, I thought about taking some time to sort of, like debunk the whole thing but i was like well obviously it didn't happen so like debunked debunked (laughs) (laughs) and also as far as i understood like it was just a total misunderstanding of like everything related to mayan culture and people and calendars and stuff so yeah so i'm sure our archaeology friends would just be like don't even talk about it it's stupid (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's all i could think of though I related to Y2K and I don't know if you remember this or if it was really even a thing or if it was just like because of where I worked, but there was like a a bit of a panic about year 2020 because you were typically like if you wrote a check or on like legal documentation, if you were just writing like the year as August 19th, twenty that people could fill in the rest of the date for you and like date it for the future, which I'm not really clear why that even would have been that big of a problem. But like if you wrote a check like nine, five, 
20 somebody could have written 23 after it and then it looked like year 2023 oh but that's just like writing checks in general though you're supposed to just like put a little line after stuff so people can't fill it in yeah and so but it became like sort of a concern at workplaces where like you're talking about like gmp documentation where everything has to be like traceable back to you know, the day that it was done, there was this concern about everybody had to write the four-digit year because mm. there was like this panic and it was like, <laughs> surprise, guys. <laughs> that is such a small issue compared to what you're going to be dealing with in just a couple of months. <laughs> so that's all of the ones that I can remember. Uh, and based off of that list anyway, it looks like the next end of the world date isn't until November 2026, which I said in the notes, like, We've got time, but I just realized, like, that's only three years away. (laughs) (laughs) So far away. (laughs) If that's really the date. Yeah. I mean, like, after the last few years, though, people are probably like, fuck it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just just Every day feels like the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) None of us are happy. I've lived through so many end of the worlds at this point that it's like, whatever. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's our little aside on predictions of end of the world. I am, like, sure that we will come back to this because I feel like we, at some point, have to do, like, a Nostradamus or Nostradamus episode or something like that. Yeah. Because there's just still so much of that going on out there. Okay. So a couple specific examples of times when people might have thought, hey, I think this could be the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) So few months ago, not sure how long it was ago, a few months ago probably, I came across an article titled something to the effect of scientists say that 536 CE was the worst year to be alive in human history. So like if you were a person, that was the worst that it, it has gotten since there have been people. More accurately, it was the first of like a few bad years or even a few bad decades. So here's what went down in 536 CE and why people think it was so terrible to be alive then. So that year, a strange fog apparently rolled into Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia. That sounds very familiar (laughs) right now. God damn it. (laughs) Ours is smoke. This was something else, but still... (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But it brought darkness and cold weather for the next 18 months. So basically, it was just like perpetual winter (laughs) for a long time. And it ultimately set off a decades-long period of global cooling known as the Late Antique Little Ice Age, which apparently is not to be confused with the Little Ice Age, which is at a totally different time. So thanks for that not confusing at all naming scheme. (laughs) (laughs) Makes perfect sense, Megan. Sure. Byzantine historian Procopius wrote about the time during this year a most dread portent took place, for the sun gave forth its light without brightness, like the moon, during the whole year. It's like, listen, that was today. I didn't. The sun was weird. Um, (laughs) Now I'm really freaked out. But average summer temperatures fell 1.5 to 2.5 degrees Celsius, which doesn't sound like much. But remember that that is an average across the whole planet. So some places would have been experiencing extreme lows. The same thing like we're trying to avoid that like two degrees Celsius 
temperature rise right now because some places are going to get really extreme highs and just like really extreme weather patterns in general. You mean how like Texas is like 105 degrees today? <sighs> Listen, and like, <laughs> I don't know, Phoenix or some shit's like 120. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it great. was like, I think I saw a news story pop up like today, shortly before we recorded this, that was like, we're about to record like the hottest temperature ever recorded in Death Valley. That's great. So my favorite was <laughs> on July 5th, there was a news article about how July 4th was like the hottest day ever. And then July 5th was also the hottest oh, day Oh, but there ever. was a news article on July 4th saying that July 3rd was the hottest day ever. Oh, maybe so that's, like, maybe I, yeah, it, was it was like, like three yeah, days in a row. <laughs> it was like three or four days in a row. So anyway, we said this was going to be a not so bad episode and it's getting bad. <laughs> Surprise. Okay. So what did these falling temperatures mean? It meant summer snowfall in China and crop failure, famine, and increased spread of disease in much of the northern hemisphere. It may also have contributed to significant political unrest and economic struggles in Eurasia and beyond. Many sources also link it to the fall of Rome, given that the plague of Justinian, a bubonic plague outbreak, hit the Eastern Roman Empire in that, you know, few years period, wiping out one third to half of its population. So, so far, we have pandemic plague going on, we've got political unrest, we've got people dying and suffering because of widespread climate crisis. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> This is why this is a timely episode. Okay, and so this is one part that I really loved about this. So some historians even believe that Viking folklore about Fimble Winter, which means the Great Winter and Ragnarok, are based on cultural memories of this time period, as up to 50% of the population of Scandinavia was lost, which basically just tells you how absolutely terrible it was to be alive during this time period. Like, they literally thought that some mythical world-ending event was happening. Okay, so for a long time, I guess scientists weren't sure whether this like mysterious fog that rolled in and the cold temperatures were attributable to a volcanic winter or an impact event, meaning a meteorite or comet. But recently, more precise dating of volcanic ash layers that were preserved in ice cores combined with data from tree rings suggests that an eruption in 536 CE, followed by another one in 540 CE, and then another one in 547 CE, <laughs> contributed to and prolonged this basically mini ice age that happened. So... Things were rough. Um, and then the most likely candidates, they still don't know where these eruptions happened, but the most likely candidates are Adiakchak in Alaska and the Mono Inyo craters in California. And that's based on like basically crypto tephro chronology stuff that they've done. So that's pretty cool. Ragnarok 536 CE. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so most of us who live in the U.S. have, and probably not just the U.S., but like definitely those who live of us who live here have, at the very least, heard of the Dust Bowl. Yes, and like I remember reading books in English class that were set during it. Yeah, and like I think there was like maybe a small discussion about it at some point in like a history class once. Yeah. Oh, that's funny because, like, I feel like I, a lot of the, like, tragic historical things that happened, like, you know, the Titanic and Pompeii and all that stuff, I, like, really fixated on. It's like, I gotta learn everything there is to know about this. The Dust Bowl, like, wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> no. <laughs> cool. So you, like, don't know a ton about it? No. Coolie. Coolie. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Dust Bowl was almost a decade's worth of drought conditions and continual dust storms. And those dust storms were often referred to as black blizzards or Ooh. dusters. And this was in the Great Plains area. I kind of um, picture so it was like those storms that rolled through in um, Interstellar when they're on Earth. Oh. And then yeah. they all have like the their lungs are all messed up from it. I don't know that I've actually ever seen that movie. God damn it, Paige. I don't remember. I can't remember if I've seen it and didn't like it or didn't see it. I don't remember. But sure. But I have a photo if you I don't know if you've looked at it. So yeah, it hit the Great Plains area. Uh it has been called the greatest man-made ecological disaster in the United States. Yet. <laughs> yet <laughs> right at the time at the time that those articles were written they were it was considered the greatest man-made eagle yeah yeah man that's made. crazy the dust storm looks crazy yeah yeah is that like okay is that little speck a car or is that like a artifact of the i can't tell what the scale is here i think that's a car that looks like a car. That like bull thing on the road. That's crazy. I mean, I could be wrong. It may not be a car, but it, it looks sucks like to a be car. those people. Yeah, <laughs> that's like Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. See that reference you get for sure. Okay, for sure. Okay. Uh, and so, it like admittedly, even when I saw the Dust Bowl on like lists of, you know. Things that people thought were like the official apocalypse or whatever. Yeah. I, I was sort of like, that's not really what I would think of. When yeah, thinking it of wouldn't like, have even crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but apparently in the 30s and like after seeing some of the photos and things, it's like a lot of people definitely thought that like the end of the world as they knew it was coming. Yeah. Or like, the, yeah, the biblical end times, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, like I mentioned, it hit the Great Plains area, but the dust storms primarily affected just like smaller parts of Kansas, uh, like the Oklahoma Panhandle, Colorado, um, northern parts of Texas, and then New Mexico. Gotcha. And I, I saw in like several different 
articles, like different numbers. But apparently in 1933, it sounds like that was like when a bulk of the storms had hit. Uh-huh. And I have seen that there were anywhere between like 79 and 139 dust storms, Holy which like shit. sounds like a lot, but I don't know what's normal for that area. Like, is it one? I feel like it's newsworthy, like when they have a big dust storm. So like that's roll a lot. through. So I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, it seemed like a lot to me, but I'm also just the like, ones I that really I see know. roll through. They call them haboobs, which I think is really haboobs. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like what a dust storm is called. Huh. Hang on, haboob, haboob definition. Because I think they're named for like Saharan, um, or no, in Sudan. Oh, huh, look at that. Oh, what's the difference between a dust storm and a haboob? Not all dust storms are haboobs, but all haboobs are dust storms. So it's like a rectangle square situation. (laughs) Okay. It's basically like high winds and thunderstorms that like lift dust into the air, but dust storms can be their own thing. Huh. Interesting. Well, we learned something. They are not just haboobs, but some dust storms are haboobs, but I think these were like just dust storms. They weren't haboobs. I think that's true. There might be like one haboob, but we'll talk about that. Great. (laughs) Um, So it's like sort of hard to pin down exactly what years people are talking about when they talk about the Dust Bowl, uh, Mm -hmm. because it's not totally clear if like people consider the whole like drought period the Dust Bowl or if it's specific to like certain storms. Uh, but between drought events and the storms, it pretty much spans like the entire decade. So basically starting in ni- early 1930 through uh, 1939, 1940. Yeah. And we're like solidly in the Great Depression now, too. So. Right. So good timing. It's not good. Like no food and no money and it's <laughs> bad all around. Right. So. Drought alone is a big enough problem for some crops, especially wheat, which was a particularly popular crop at that time due to the increase in price in the mid-1910s. It looks like in like 1914, um, the price of wheat almost doubled. So it was like everybody was planting wheat because it was going to make them a lot of money. Okay. Um, So it already doesn't do well in drought conditions. But then you add these dust storms on top of it, and now it's causing health issues for the crops. There are animals who are dying because of it, and the families who are living there are dealing with what uh, I saw referred to as dust pneumonia because, Uh, yeah, yeah, they are just regularly coughing up dirt and sand. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I don't think N95s were a thing at that time. And if they were a thing, I don't think people could afford them. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. So they were breathing all of that in, and it's not good. Not good. Uh, After these last couple weeks, totally different, but, like, I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. Paige is like, I get it. I feel you. I feel a deep connection (laughs) to these people now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And like you mentioned, this is all happening during the Great Depression. So people are just, like, generally – not having a good time yeah i probably have more of a connection to this than i realize because i know that my dad's mom was born in kansas and like lived like her childhood was like during the great depression and so she had like all sorts of crazy stories about it but yeah oh crazy i yeah i don't remember her ever talking about like dust bowl stuff but 
I probably have more of a connection, like family connection than I realize. Sure. So I should probably be more interested in this than, or should, I'm interested now. I'm glad you're talking about it. But I mean, like in the past, I should have been more interested in it than I was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I said, like we don't, it's never really talked about. Like it's. Now I know. Right. <laughs> so one day that was like, I don't know, it was like the day when people think of the Dust Bowl now. Um, April 14th, 1935, which is now referred to as Black Sunday. The day started with a cold front rolling in uh, and they recorded like record low temperatures for the area. It had dropped like 30 degrees Fahrenheit in like what sounds like just overnight or over a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a thick cloud of black dust rolled in over the Great Plains area, causing complete darkness and it began in the oklahoma panhandle in beaver oklahoma late afternoon so about 4 p.m and had made its way through boise city oklahoma and into amarillo texas by 7 p.m that evening so in just a couple of hours it had traveled pretty far that's crazy I read that an estimated 300,000 tons of topsoil was displaced, though I'm not totally sure how they came up with that number, nor do I know if that was referring to just this, like, it it seemed to be referring just to this one storm, um, but I'm not sure if it was maybe talking about the entire Dust Bowl. Either way, that is a shit ton of sand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like flying around. That's crazy. So on Black Sunday, people reported that it had gotten so dark that they couldn't see their own hand when it was directly in front of their face. And in some areas, that complete darkness lasted over an hour. Oh, shit. (laughs) So an article on Benjamin Lee Bison called Black Blizzards of the Dust Bowl uh, says that one woman interviewed in Burns, the Dust Bowl, exclaims, we saw this cloud coming in black, black dirt, and I'll never forget what my grandmother said. She said, you kids run and get together. The end of the world's coming. Holy cow. And then from the Kansas Historical Society, Pauline Winkler Gray said, as the wall of dust and sand struck our house, the sun was instantly blotted out completely. Gravel particles clattered against the windows and pounded down on the roof. The floor shook with impact of the wind, and the rafters creaked threateningly. We stood in our living room in pitch blackness. We were stunned. Never had we been in such all-enveloping blackness before, such impenetrable gloom. Crazy. I am looking at these pictures, and it's like... It's wild. Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, I guess I don't know. I I don't know looking at photos like which dust storms were that specific day versus which ones were like Mm -hmm. ones from other times during, you know, that decade. Um, Yeah. So like these people like definitely, I mean, on top of the fact that that day in particular probably felt like, I mean, the where's the sun? We're all dead. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, going back to your thing about the 300,000 tons of topsoil, I think that's like just for the one storm because this is all totaled for the year 1935, 850 million tons of topsoil blew away. Okay. I didn't see that. Okay. So that's that's insane. That is insane. 
This is wild. This is like blowing my mind because I, listen, I'm on like disaster TikTok, disaster everywhere, horrifying historical events. Like, tell me all about them. No one ever talks about the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Right. And it's like I said, I mean, I remember us talking about it briefly. I mean, though, like, I, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I remember us like touching on it in some like yeah. social studies classes or history, whatever, or something. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I guess it's like way more intense than I ever thought it was. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, why did it happen, Paige? So, yeah. Why did it happen? <laughs> And it's like sort of a perfect storm of things. So first is just like the farming practices at the time. So in the 1920s, uh, like I mentioned earlier, in the in the mid-1910s, like we had this sort of increase in uh, certain crop pipe prices. And then in the uh-huh. 20s, the crop prices dropped. And I had read that wheat, uh, I think it was in like – late 1920s dropped from like $2 a bushel to like 40 cents. So it was like, I mean, it dropped significantly. Yeah. but the And that was like before the crash and the start of the Great Depression or that was related? I think it sort of timed up around okay. it. For all, all we know, it could have been a driving factor and like what kicks it all off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that there were soil conservation practices were either being disregarded or like just weren't fully understood. And then the gas-powered tractor was gaining a lot of popularity at the time, which meant farmers purchasing this big farm equipment and frequently on credit. So the lower crop prices paired with the high cost of farming equipment meant that farmers needed more crops and therefore more land to pay the bills. And this new farming equipment that they had made it easier to cultivate new farmland. So they were going through and they were basically just like mowing everything down and making everything farms. Uh, yeah. And part of that was ripping up, basically plowing over what was prairie grasslands. And what they yeah. may not have known at that time is that, I mean, basically that grass was there protecting and keeping that soil in place. And so by ripping all of that out, nothing's there to protect it anymore. Now everything is just sand. <laughs> yeah. Irresponsible farming practices. Yeah. And at, I mean, to be fair, at the time, I don't think they really knew better. Yeah. No, I think you're just looking at like, yeah, just if you're talking about ch- changeover and like new technology and people can plow more faster. Like, yeah, I think some of it was just people didn't know better. Yeah. So that was one really big piece of it. Um, But then, like I mentioned earlier, you've got this decade of drought events. So in the 1920s, there was plenty of rainfall in that region, which was used to promote settlement in the area to farmers. Look at all this beautiful greenery we have. Everything grows well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so, you know, people at the time didn't understand that there were cycles of drought in this region. And so, as you could expect, families get settled there. uh, They begin farming that land. And then they're hit with four drought events, which I mentioned started in 1930, and the final one officially ended in 1940. These droughts occurred in such quick succession that areas weren't 
able to fully recover from the previous drought before they would enter the next one. And so it really was like just a recipe for disaster. You've got decades worth of very little rainfall. Everything's dried out. Um, over cultivation of the land and very little understanding of like, you know, obviously like modern day farming practices, but just like understanding of the soil and the the climate that they were dealing with. Yeah, that's wild. People it's should crazy. care more about the Dust Bowl. Right. I that's think everybody saying. was just like sort of scarred from like high school English and having to like read the Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> Like whatever other books they made us read that were like about the time they were like, I don't care about this shit. And then it's like, no, you should care because this is this is insane. Well, and like, I mean, really, so much of it was our fault. Yeah. It'd be pretty darn easy to end up back there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like all the climate stuff and like things, the droughts and stuff that we've been experiencing and big storms and stuff. It's like it's all lining up for crazy shit like that to happen again. Yeah, I had read um and I was I was trying to find it cuz I didn't I didn't save it. I just like saw it quickly in like a little blurb that the dust storms have and granted they're probably pretty small, but that they have started to pick up again. Oh. And it was that they had like picked up quite a bit in 2020s and they were worried that there could be, you know, some bigger event or whatever. I don't know. I can't find it, so not clear. Okay, well I'm super glad that you chose the Dust Bowl because that is fascinating. And now I feel like I just want to spend a bunch of time like looking at photos and making a video yelling at everybody on TikTok to be like, care more about the Dust Bowl. Right. I feel like <laughs> I, I was like mostly just sad that I didn't look at this sooner to consider doing this for like a full episode. Yeah. Because I had like a lot of other things I wanted to add, but I was like, all right, we can't have 12 pages of notes. So (laughs) (laughs) we've done it before. We have talked about two specific examples of events that felt like the apocalypse. Like people thought the end of the world as we know it, as people know it, was coming to an end. But there have been apocalyptic events sort of in at a a geological scale at a broader scale that have happened in the past. And we refer to these as mass extinction events. So Earth has had five of these, five major ones in its history. And there's like a lot more small extinction events that show up, but since life began on Earth. And they occur when at least half of all species on Earth die out in a short time, at least geologically speaking. Like we're talking like it could still take like a few hundred thousand years to happen, but like mm-hmm. we still lose most of life or yeah, most of life on Earth. I saw yeah, we're another, not talking like a two year span. Right. I saw another figure that said it had to be 75%. So I'm not actually a hundred percent sure what the the cutoff is. But we're talking about like half of everything <laughs> at least being gone. <laughs> What? <laughs> I was just going to say we could use another mass extinction event. <laughs> Paige, just wait. You're going to feel like an asshole at the end of this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Thanos. Um, <laughs> I was <Okay>. joking. <laughs> yeah, right. Um <laughs> 
Okay. So the largest of these that has ever happened was the Permian Triassic extinction, which occurred 250 million years ago at the end of, you might guess, the Permian uh, and leading into the Triassic. And this was the loss of 90% of life on Earth. So nine out of 10, all types of animals are gone. There is no definitive cause that's been determined for it, but there's geological evidence for huge amounts of carbon dioxide being pumped into the atmosphere, resulting in ocean acidification and drastic warming of the planet, among other things. So things were not good on planet Earth. (laughs) What this was probably caused by, and I know you guys are super excited that it comes back to volcanoes, but like surprise, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's probably caused by flood basalt eruptions and before any climate change deniers come out, which I doubt that there are any who listen to this show, but like, yeah, they would have given up on us already. Probably. But if they're out there or if, if you, you hear this and you think like, Hey, I thought volcanoes cooled things down and like, they weren't supposed to warm things up. We're talking about a whole different like category of volcano here. Flood basalts are on a whole other level. We're not talking about the explosive volcanic eruptions that you think of as causing cooling for a few years due to ash and sulfur dioxide blocking out the sunlight uh, in the upper atmosphere. We're talking about just like massive, massive amounts of like Hawaii type eruptions. So not explosive basalt lava flows but on like a continental scale with eruptions that last for hundreds up to hundreds of thousands of years and accumulations of lava that are thousands of feet thick. Like if you've ever driven through the Columbia River Gorge in Oregon, like that's just like thousands of feet of flood basalt deposits that are built up. The Potentially, I guess they're not 100% sure that this is the thickest, but the thickest individual basalt flow uh, is actually not that far. It's up in the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan. Well, not that far from us, I mean. Um, it is about 2,000 feet thick for a single basalt flow. Like, wow. think about the eruption that, like, just happened in Iceland and the fissures and, like, you know, you got, you see this basalt flow, like, spreading out. But, like, you know, it's like, a few meters thick. Like this is 2000 feet thick for a single eruption that happened uh, and probably formed from a lava lake the size of Lake Superior. That's bananas. (laughs) So again, these are like on a whole different scale than explosive eruptions that cool things down. You probably would see cooling for a few years at first due to the sulfur dioxide being pumped out, but we're also talking about massive amounts of carbon dioxide being released into the atmosphere over like thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. So that's where we're getting like the catastrophic global warming that's happening. So that's all I'm going to say about flood basalts and the Permian-Triassic extinction, but they are super cool on their own. It's crazy that 90% of life disappeared. If you want to look at a much like smaller but still similar version of this, you should look up the Laki eruption, spelled L-A-K-I, in Iceland. Because that's like one that's happened in human history. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) here's the thing. 
I know I made a joke about the 75% thing, but uh-huh. seriously, 90%, isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And it's like, so most of life on Earth at the time was marine life. Uh-huh. And 96% of marine life disappeared and 70% of life on land, which like averages out to about 90% of the total. Wild. Yeah. So that's crazy. When we talk about mass extinctions, obviously the one that people are the most familiar with is the Cretaceous Ternary or KT extinction that killed off the non-avian dinosaurs. And yeah, I am going to qualify non-avian because birds are dinosaurs. Um <laughs> I'm using this short time to soapbox about that. But I want to read a quote about the impact of the asteroid, which struck the Yucatan Peninsula in, well, what is now the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. But this like, just chills me. So this is from a book called The Ends of the World. How apt um, <laughs> by Peter Brannan. And it is an overview of each of the major mass extinction events that have happened in Earth's history. And in this section, he's interviewing geologist Mario Rebelletto. The meteor itself was so massive that it didn't notice any atmosphere whatsoever, said Rebelletto. It was traveling 20 to 40 kilometers per second. 10 kilometers, probably 14 kilometers wide, pushing the atmosphere and building such incredible pressure that the ocean in front of it just went away. These numbers are precise without usefully conveying the scale of the calamity. What they mean is that a rock larger than Mount Everest hit planet Earth traveling 20 times faster than a bullet. This is so fast that it would have traversed the distance from the cruising altitude of a 747 to the ground in 0.3 seconds. The asteroid itself was so large that even at the moment of impact, the top of it might have still towered more than a mile above the cruising altitude of a 747. In its nearly instantaneous descent, it compressed the air below it so violently that it briefly became several times hotter than the surface of the sun. The pressure of the atmosphere in front of the asteroid started excavating the crater before it even got there, Reveletto said. Then, when the meteorite touched ground zero, it was totally intact. It was so massive that the atmosphere didn't even make a scratch on it. Unlike the typical Hollywood CGI depictions of asteroid impacts where an extraterrestrial charcoal briquette gently smolders across the sky, in the Yucatan it would have been a pleasant day one second and the world was already over by the next. As the asteroid collided with the Earth in the sky above where there should have been air, the rock had punched a hole of outer space vacuum in the atmosphere. As the heavens rushed in to close this hole, enormous volumes of Earth were expelled into orbit and beyond, all within a second or two of impact. So, there's probably little bits of dinosaur bone up on the moon, I asked. Yeah, probably. I hate that. <laughs> that's like I that's like one of the single greatest pieces of science writing that I've ever read in my yeah. life. 
like just to put into perspective how horrific that impact was. Like that's the end of the world. (laughs) But also there's dinosaur bone dust on the moon. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Or little bits of it. (laughs) Okay. So to wrap up mass extinctions, now that Paige is having an an existential crisis across town, (laughs) I have to shout out sharks and nautiluses here. Nautiluses are like little squid-like creatures, but they have like a little curly shell, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So both sharks and nautiluses have survived all five major mass extinctions. So they are 200 to 250 million years older than the dinosaurs. Sharks sharks are younger than nautiluses by about 50 million years. And they're 90 to 140 million years older than trees. So, like, I don't know what sharks and nautiluses are doing. But But they're doing the right thing. (laughs) They are going to outlive all of us. (laughs) forever um and this is the part where i said you're gonna feel like an asshole for making a joke that we need another mass extinction because many people argue we are in the next mass extinction right now yeah 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 i mean (laughs) (laughs) obviously like i don't want that to happen but it's just like sometimes it's like i wish we just didn't have so many fucking people is all (laughs) yeah but like you know we've we've tried the plague it wasn't great though so (laughs) right right (laughs) i obviously don't actually want this to occur it's complicated i know what you're saying yeah yeah (laughs) Um, complicated feeling it's sort of funny and i don't remember if it was taking notes for this episode that sort of brought the conversation up but Elliot and I were talking about like if you know they if we had found out somehow that there were some sort of whether it be like an asteroid collision or or something that could like end the world or uh-huh. or at least like end the life of like many people yeah in an area if he, he was like do you think they would tell us? And I was like, I mean, (laughs) it's like if NASA were to find something that's like, oh, the world's going to end in a week. Do do you think they would tell us? And my answer is like, I mean, probably not, but like the people working there are still just people. So they're definitely just like packing up their families and doing whatever the fuck they want for the next week. Right. Right. And so like it, it would spill like some, we would find out about it. Yeah, I I like I know people like to say like oh there's something they're not telling us they're not going to tell us but it's like I think they would because like how if you find something like that out like how absolutely devoid of like compassion do you have to be to just like not say anything and just like let people go to work and just, yeah like, be living their lives like rather than be with their families and I end. agree with you. I just like I could I could see where like as an organization they would make a decision not to tell people but like you cannot tell me like anybody you know if they were in that situation and they had that information like they're leaving their job they're yeah. going home they're telling their family and they're yeah, doing something. Yeah, like it's going to get out for sure. Right, right. Like we yeah. would know about it. So <laughs> yeah, we one way or another we would know about it. 
<laughs> and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure people would like make the argument like we got to tell people in the right way. Like we don't want people to panic, but like, right. it's, like who gives a shit if they panic? Cause they're going to be they're gonna dead. Be dead in a week anyway. Right. So. Like what are we going to do and the world ourselves? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all horrible. How much worse could it get? <laughs> yeah. I was just like th- that, this like one line in the quote you read that, um, in the Yucatan, it would have been a pleasant day one second and the world was already over by the next. Ugh. Yeah. Let me tell you, like, I just want to be at the impact site. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> just, like, just take me I out. better not be at work. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I better be doing something really fucking cool. <laughs> like, here's the thing. If, if, if the world was going to end in a week, like, I'm not going back to work. And like anything I've ever been curious about, I'm doing in that week. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about the asteroid thing, though. Like at least. Well, that's not true. I don't know if, if the space episode I did made me feel better about it. But like it, for a vast majority of them, like there are plans in place and that they've been testing to like divert them. So we've got a shot. But anyway. <laughs> Okay, so to wrap things up, let's talk about when will the world really end and how will it happen? Because again, even in the case of mass extinctions, like it's the end of the world for some animals or most, I guess, living on Earth, but it's not the end of the world. Like the world still exists. Right. (laughs) So if we want to be pedantic and say like, the world is gone. It's the end of it. It doesn't exist anymore. When will that happen? Yeah. So importantly, like the earth is going to exist in one form or another for a long, long time, whether or not we or like other animals are on it. Uh, and of course, that's unless some catastrophic astronomical event happens earlier, which you can like hear more about that in the spooky space episode that I did with Allison. It was horrifying. So I, yeah, you know, (laughs) and like, you know, the quote I just read, Um, I did read, though, that there's a 1% chance over the next 5 billion years that orbital instabilities will cause us to collide with a neighboring planet and send us spinning off into deep space. So great. That's fun. But like, I guess Earth would still exist. We'd just be like a floating rock with a lot of frozen shit on it. You know? Yeah. Anyway. All right. (laughs) So the most likely scenario for the actual end of the world, planet Earth is gone, is that eventually our sun will deplete the hydrogen fuel at its core and begin to die. It will start to expand outwards and in about 7.6 billion years from now, swallow up the Earth. But like we will be gone. Humans will be long gone. It's not going to matter. Here's what I know about us human beings uh-huh. is that we will be fine for a very long time until, well, <laughs> until at least the year 3000 because the <laughs> I Jonas Brothers. I year 3000 is a very long time. <laughs> That's it's only not, a thousand it's years. Not. That's why I said, <laughs> okay, at least the year 3000. Okay. It feels like a very long time to me. Sure. Okay. Uh, But yes, the Jonas Brothers have been to year 3000 and they say that not much has changed. They just live underwater. 
Great. So great. We're fine. Until at least then. The Jonas Brothers know. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers know. <laughs> anyway, this probably wasn't a happy episode. <laughs> no, it it wasn't. I mean, we warned you. <laughs> uh, did we, though? Because we were like, actually, this isn't our saddest episode. And it's like, mm, it might be up there. <laughs> but I, we did enjoy learning about the Dust Bowl. The messed up thing is, though, is that, like, I actually don't know that it is up there. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that is all I have to say about the end of the world. All right. Well... I guess that wraps up our episode on the end of the world. Join Yay. us <laughs> and join us next time to talk about personality quizzes, a total topic shift. Yeah, that is like not <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> in the same ballpark. And also doesn't even sound like something that would fit for this podcast, but like just you wait. Trust the process, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at sisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. 